because all I can think about is those old commercials when he was not doing films very much and the, the Newman's own dressing. Like, do you ever, aren't you tired of watching Paul Newman get undressed and they show all the clips and get naked in the film? And then here's Paul Newman dressing. I'm like, oh my God. So that's all I can ever think about when I watch a Paul Newman film anymore. Welcome to the What's Our Verdict Podcast. We fashion ourselves cinematic judge and jury. My name is JJ Crowder. I'm here with my co-host, Alec Burgess. Let's get it. We appreciate you tuning in. Go ahead and hit that follow, subscribe, like, bell notification buttons so that you can keep up with all of our episodes. It also helps grow the podcast, which we really appreciate. Another thing that helps grow the podcast is go tell a friend about us. Go find a rodeo guy, a cowboy, and tell them about us as well. We like cowboys. They're good people. And they'll appreciate, I didn't know this until we finished recording the last episode and Alec brought it up. This is our first Western that we've ever done yeah. on the podcast. I'm ashamed. I'm, I actually <laughs> enjoy be. Westerns and we haven't done one. That's, that hurts me. I think the closest thing we got to a Western was that weird, uh, what was the old man? God, why can't I think of it now? The one who escapes to Mexico with the little kid. Oh. Masculine. It was with Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood, yeah, where Macho, macho, cry macho! What a fucking terrible movie. That's probably as close to a western as we've been. That's sad. So, but we're remedying that today because today we're going to review Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. It was released September twenty fourth, nineteen sixty nine. It was written by William Goldman and it was directed by George Roy Hill. It stars Paul Newman, Robert Redford, Catherine Ross, Strother Martin, Henry Jones, Jeff Corey, George Firth. Cloris Leachman, which blew my mind, by the way, uh, <laughs> Ted Cassidy and Kenneth Mars. In Wyoming, early 1900s, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid are the leaders of a band of outlaws. After a train robbery goes wrong, they find themselves on the run with a posse hard on their heels. Their solution? Escape to Bolivia. Yeah, look, if you haven't seen this movie, <laughs> shame on you. Um, it's worth at least one watch. Yeah, I mean, if for no other reason than it's a an insight into what movies used to be like an interesting take on movies and Westerns. And it was fun, but yeah, like I'm, I'm not going to give the spoiler spiel. Just hang out. Let's, let's talk about Butch Cassidy and the Sundance kid. Let's just get into it. Look, this movie and Westerns in general, I think, I think this is true of most Westerns in my opinion, is that there's a level of humor that's just unexpected in most of them. Now there's some like good, the bad and the ugly where there's like no fucking humor whatsoever that, I love that movie because it's a classic, but it's so hard to watch because it's boring as fuck. There's like eight lines of dialogue in the whole damn movie. But this one is not that. And I think this is one of the funnier ones. Just because. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. It's got to be near top of list for funny. And I think that comes to Newman and then Redford's just fucking so goddamn serious and dry. And we talked about this with all the president's men. Like he's he's eye candy. Yeah, is what Robert Redford is. Not a great actor when it comes to like emotions and shit. So that dry delivery really works in this situation. Because yeah. Paul Newman is funny as fuck. Because the guy's just all over the place, which is what he's known for. Mm-hmm. And it's the subtlety of it too. We'll get to this in a little bit, but the first like 40, 45 minutes of this scene or this movie, I think are the some of the greatest in cinema history sure and even you just start out with this like very old sepia tone over the screen western theme you get in there 
Paul Newman, you get a nice look at his eyes going through as he's walking into the bank. And then you hit with the, what happened to the old bank? Oh. People kept robbing it. <laughs> That's a small price to pay for beauty. <laughs> like just this. And if you're not paying attention, you miss it. Yeah. And that's true throughout this movie is if you're not paying attention, you miss it. And that's kind of what movies used to be is the humor is there. You just have to be watching it, pay attention, you have to be focused on it. And it's, I mean, it goes back to Paul Newman's delivery, I think is a great addition to it, but it's a, it's a pattern. in a lot of these older movies where this is the joke is in there, say the joke, move on to your next thing. Yeah. Because I mean, I, I, one of the greatest parts in this, I crack up every single time is uh, right after the night fight with Lurch, where he's like, you know, what, what was Harvey's plan? They're like, oh, we're going to rob the flyer this time and then rob it again next time. He's like, oh, I'll tell you what, that's what we're going to do. <laughs> Harvey came up with that. <laughs> like, I tell you, that's exactly what we're going to do. Or, you know, the, the Woodcock scene, which is just is so great. They used it in Red Dead Redemption yeah. Red Dead Redemption 2, one of the one of the Red Dead Redemption games. Yep. But it's it's that subtle humor where you have to be paying attention, otherwise you're gonna miss it because there's no kind of fanfare around it, no big laugh track going on, no focusing on the joke. So you paying attention, it just rolls right through it. Yeah. Well, and I mean a lot of it is like the banter that really shouldn't be funny, too, in a lot of cases is funny. Because of, again, like you say, that delivery of Paul Newman being so over the top in this movie. Like, he's just so charismatic. And Sundance just isn't. Like, he's just yeah. kind of, uh, and then he's got that really pretty smile of young, you know, Robert, Robert Redford. Redford. And that he's one of the only men that can make a mustache look good. Like, it's just, you know what I mean? It's really the, good. Like, seriously <laughs> good. Like I'm sitting there going, fuck, I got a giant ass beard and it's jealous of his mustache. Like I can't even, it's killer. Right. But like that dynamic. And I, I think, like, I think about the jumping when they're running and they're getting ready to jump off the cliff. Like that back and forth fucking kills me every I single time. I want to fight him. Yeah. He's, he's like, the fall will kill you. He's like, would you, he goes, would you make a jump like that if you didn't have to? He goes, I have to, and I ain't going to do it. Like, just, Why not? I can't swim. can't swim. The fall is going to kill you. <laughs> like, no, I'm staying here. <laughs> oh, man. I love it. Yeah, and then they just both take off running and screaming, oh, shit, you know? Yeah. And then things like when he takes his girl, which this is an awkward situation anyway because they got Miss Call in the middle of this whole thing. And you're like, that's fucking awkward. Even to the point that she, during the bike ride, is like, hey, if we had met before me and Sundance, do you think we would have gotten involved? He's like, we are involved. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is fucking weird. I mean, whatever, it works for you. But I like, he comes back and he's like, what are you doing? Stealing your woman. Take her. Take her. It's like, well, you're a real romantic, aren't you? Like, it's just like (laughs) shit like that. And then the times where Sundance is being funny, like where he's like, Keep thinking, Butch. Like, that's what you're good at, right? So things like that. I think that's my favorite part of this movie is it's just these two idiots fucking interacting. They're really good at robbing banks. Yeah, you know, doing (laughs) dumb shit. And then you got this poor woman that's stuck between the two of them because she just loves them both and follows them. And, man, yeah, it's just entertaining as hell when it comes especially to that level of humor like we're talking about. That and... Man, Catherine Ross is hot. 
That is true. Rounds out the three pretty well. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's three very attractive leads <laughs> in this movie. Yeah. In this show. Yeah. I love it. it. Well, and it's one thing that is hard for me too, is watching anything with Paul Newman in it, because all I can think about is those old commercials when he was not doing films very much and the, the Newman's own dressing. Like, do you ever, aren't you tired of watching Paul Newman get undressed and they show all the clips of him getting fucking naked in the film. And then here's Paul Newman dressing. I'm like, Oh my God. So that's all I can ever think about when I watch a Paul Newman film anymore. So it just adds a whole nother level of comedy for me. So good. I tell you what uh, I think about whenever I watch a Paul Newman movie. Yeah. This bike scene. Mm -hmm. If there's one thing that ruins this movie for me, it's this bike scene. Yeah which happens about midpoint through the movie for no goddamn reason. Yeah. All it is is just showing off Paul Newman and Paul Newman's very obvious stunt double. Yeah. Um, throughout this scene. And it's, and then you got the weird ukulele playing in the background. Yeah. It goes from like phenomenal Western to complete bullshit in like 10 seconds. Yeah. And then it picks right back up with phenomenal Western again. But for this, like, I don't know, five minute sequence, where he's just riding around on the bike with Catherine Ross and you got the ukulele going in the background. I'm like, ah, skip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. it breaks it up and there's no purpose for it. Uh, I think I read somewhere that it was like a way for the director to put in something that like it was his favorite song or something. Mm. So it was like something weird like that. No purpose to the story whatsoever kind of ruins the film in a lot of ways so yeah. if you never watched it as soon as you see paul newman on a bike just hit skip yeah <laughs> and then pick it back up at the end um because it is my biggest complaint with this movie one of the only few that i have is this bike scene right here yeah because there's just no reason to have it i hate it i hate everything about it uh, and that and it's awkward for me too because i'm like what the fuck is he doing driving around with this half naked woman who is his best friend's girl like, that's the kind of shit you do with your girlfriend. Like, that dynamic never made sense to me every time I watch this film. So it distracts me. I, it's like, because I always take so much, it takes me so long to watch this movie in between watches. So I always forget parts of it. But I'm with you. I'm watching going, oh, I forgot about this shit. Because it is weird. And then the other one that I don't like that's very similar to that is the weird, when they're moving to Bolivia. Yes, and you the weird intermission. Yeah. I'm all good for a good training montage, right? Like, I'm all for a good montage. But... The weird picture going back to the old 1800 sepia tone picture shit with weird music that doesn't make sense that show them going down and being. And then you have the moment where it's just this really loud music over them robbing banks and shit and becoming, you know, the banditos Yankee. Like it just I hate it. Like it just felt like, oh, we want this movie to be longer than an hour. So we're yeah. going to put in a bike ride that takes five to 10 minutes. We're going to put in a, an unnecessary photo montage and loud music for another 10 minutes. Great. Now we got an hour and 50 minute movie. So I'm just like, fuck, it, it distracts yeah. me and pulls me out of the movie for sure. Yeah. And I wouldn't even mind the picture thing if it wasn't as long as it was. Right. I mean, you could throw a couple in there and it'd be like, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. But it goes and it goes and it goes. And it feels like about the same amount of time as it would take to travel to Bolivia in 1906. <laughs> you know, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was just sitting there. I'm like, oh, that's another one where it's like, okay, okay, okay. This is the point where I go make dinner and, you know, use the restroom and then take a snack, take a little nap, come back and movies picked up again. 
Seriously. I have time to do my laundry in between, not miss any kind of purpose to this film. Yeah. They should have had like how they have at the beginning where it says most of this is true. They should have had, this is the time to go take a piss and get some popcorn. Because <laughs> it, it is so distracting. Yeah, it's and you're right. It's it's long as fuck. If it was like two minutes, fine. But it's like a five or six. And I'm sitting it's there going, there. fuck, this is still going. Like, like, yeah, Jesus. And I forget every time how long it is too. I'm like, oh, here we go. Fuck, I could have got a whole nother fucking lunch or dinner mm-hmm. while I'm fucking waiting on this shit. Jesus. Yeah. Exactly. So it's it's got its flaws. I'll say that. Sure, sure. But uh, the flaws that it has, you can just tell it's director's complex issues. Yeah. Yeah, just um, weird choices. But I will say where we get a little bit more of that Newman and Redford kind of chemistry is when they're learning how to rob banks in Spanish. Yeah. Because the whole reason for going to Bolivia and they kind of brush over this a little bit is Bush Cassidy, Paul Newman apparently speaks Spanish and so does Catherine's Ross character. So Sunday's like, all right, let's go to Bolivia. They get to Bolivia, go and rob the bank. And Paul Newman just stares at like the security guard who's speaking to him in Spanish. Just stares, 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 looking around, super lost. Does a great job of it. Oh yeah. And just turns around and walks out the bank. (laughs) (laughs) And you can see Robert Redford's doing a great job being like, Okay, go ahead and talk to him. Yeah. Talk to him. Talk to him. And it's like, where are you going? <laughs> like, I don't speak this language. Why are you leaving me here? Oh, fuck. And that's this movie would not be good if it weren't for if it was anybody but those two. Oh no, it'd be terrible. Yeah. And I love Paul Newman. Like, there's very few movies that Paul Newman's done that I'm like, Paul Newman's great. I'm not, and we've talked about this with the all the president's men. Robert Redford is not my favorite. For a number of reasons, I'm not going to go down that road again. If you want to, if anybody's listening and you haven't heard, go listen to all the presidents, man. And I give a very deep explanation on my lack of love for Rob Redford. However, in this movie and anytime he's with Newman, because the sting is just as good because that, again, they play well off of each other. And I think that's why they probably did so many movies together because they had that partnership that works. And Newman's that way. I think Newman makes people better. That's one of the yeah. things that I like about him too. Cause even in like the color of money, like he makes Tom Cruise better. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like he's makes actors better, which I appreciate. And so Redford saw that I think, and was like, I'm going to latch my fucking self to this oh, shit. Cause Redford quick. is smart. Yeah. Like he was one of the smartest that's ever been in the business. Mm. And it's, you know, the lack of talent probably, you know, forced his brain to develop <laughs> yeah. a little bit more, but that's fair. The Sundance character is so great because he's this uh, very quiet, very reserved gunslinger. Yeah. Right. You don't want necessarily a loudmouth gunslinger. That doesn't pack as much of a punch. Yeah. So you have the loudmouth Butch Cassidy, who you find out like three quarters of the way through this movie has never killed anybody. Yeah, has never really fired a gun at anybody. You know, it comes out right as they're about to get into a gunfight with like eight guys. And now you tell me. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bag of horse. So you got this quiet, deadly gunslinger who is sarcastic as fuck. Oh, yeah. And you pair him with this, you know, loudmouth kind of goofball. Mm-hmm. And it works. Oh, yeah. And it works so well because of they're playing their respective roles. Yeah. We kind of brushed over this in our little timeline, but the chase scene that they go through. Oh, fuck. It's great. Who are those guys? Yeah. And that just over and over again, it's, you know, six words or whatever, but 
they are just like the way they say it, both of them, as they like tear back and forth is just beautiful. Oh yeah. Even to the, I mean, Paul Newman, once again, you know, the, how can they do that? Can you do that? I can't do that. Yeah. How can they do that? <laughs> like, <that's laughs> they're trying to lose them. Yeah. He's like, they can't track a silver rock. Tell that to them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Well, you know, I, and one of the things that I love too, about like the callback in this movie that they do so well too, is the white straw cap, right? That the mm-hmm. guy, this lawman, the most, you know, feared lawman. Fours. Is, so any white straw hat and they go into full panic mode and we're like, oh, fuck, we got to get the fuck out of here, right? Like, and it's just crazy to me. But like you said, that callback and that banter, like without those conversations, this it's movie, a really boring movie. Yeah, this movie doesn't work. <laughs> but like, and then, and I think to me, for me, the pinnacle of this whole movie and their relationship, when we're talking about the two of them together, and their relationship is at the end when they're fucking getting ready to go out and they're talking about Australia. And he's like, it's your dumbass ideas that got us into this man. I don't ever hear another one. And he says, Australia. And he's like, the fuck is on in Australia. He goes, that's your great idea. And he's like, we go to Australia. Australia. And he's like, they speak English in Australia. They do. That's right. Smart guys. So we won't be foreigners. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, what a dumb fucking thing to say. Well, the best part is they're all shot up in this video. Yeah. They, they each have like 40 bullets in them. Yeah. And we're <laughs> talking about going to Australia. Yeah. And we're watching like the whole Bolivian army surround them, right? Like, so you're like, oh, they're so screwed. But then, like, he's so, and then there's just like this one line, and he's like, they're all, what does he say? They're hey, you very didn't see easy. A force, did you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a great one, too. But when, it, when he's talking about Australia, he's like, very easy, ripe, and luscious. And he's like, the banks are the women. <laughs> it's like, once you get one, you get the other. Like, it just, like, I can't. They're all, while they're sitting there getting ready to die. And, like, how many movies, modern or otherwise, since this movie came out in 1964, 40, whatever, Nine. 69. Nice. Have had, yes, right have had like that kind of, we're getting ready to die. Let's have a funny conversation moment. Right. Very few. Yeah. But you know, when they do it, cause they've done it, this is where that it started. started right. It is that moment of every time they're getting ready to die, they have this really funny fucking conversation. Endgame did it. Yeah. A little bit right before they go fail, right before they go face Thanos, yeah. uh, big three. It's a trap. But yeah, I mean, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but no, I mean, it's it's so funny because it's one of those things where the audience really benefits because we're watching, you know, the Bolivian army surround this place and yeah. it's like, okay, they're dead. And yeah. they're in there talking about Australia and, hey, do you see LaForge? No. Oh, good. I thought we'd be in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're watching like... A, an entire battalion line up and just you know yeah. put sights on them and they're just in there moving slowly because they're riddled with bullets and going back and forth ribbing on each other because that's what their relationship is and it's mm-hmm. beautiful oh yeah and one of the greatest endings ever because it doesn't actually end <laughs> yeah you just hear a hundred guys oh shit <laughs> And that's because they couldn't show that shit in 1916. <laughs> oh, yeah, that would not have been good. Yeah, it's not going to go well. Yeah, I really enjoyed their dynamic for sure. This movie wouldn't be successful without those two 
and, and what they do. Not even close. So let's talk about Bolivia. It's it has some really great moments in it, but it is absolutely useless to yeah. the greater story. Once again, it it's hard to put into words because it's where they're kind of trying to make, follow the true line of things, right? Because mm-hmm. original Butch, Butch Cassidy of Sundance apparently went to Bolivia. Nobody knows where they actually went. Nobody knows if they got there or what happened to them. Nobody knows. Yeah. But they're trying to follow kind of this urban myth. Yes, so urban legend, something like that, to show what they did after they got too hot in Wyoming and Utah and that kind of area. And so it's like, okay, but this movie takes a nosedive after they decide to go to Bolivia. Yeah. You have this great intro, then it backs off a little bit with that bike scene. (laughs) And you get this one of the greatest chase scenes in any, you know, cinema history ever. Puts it right back up here. And then it just goes into free fall in Bolivia and the only thing that saves it is the humor and the humor is mostly because they don't speak Spanish yeah that's where 95% of the humor comes from is that they don't speak Spanish or Sundance and making fun of Butch for saying he spoke Spanish yeah. <laughs> yep. and so the second half of this movie relies almost exclusively on Robert Redford and Newman yeah, Paul Newman and their ability to banter back and forth. And so it's like, it's hard to put Bolivia in a box, but I think it hurts the overall movie and the overall story they were telling because they tried to make it as true as possible or whatever you want to say. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. What do you think? No, I agree with you. I think this movie has always suffered from the back half. They would have been better served to like maybe have them go somewhere more obscure in the States but the whole Bolivia thing, and you can even do the Spanish thing, like send them to Texas or send them to Arizona or somewhere that it makes sense that the Spanish is needed, but they don't have it still. I think it would have been just as interesting and you could have still had the same running gags and things like that, but you don't have this, like why Bolivia has always been my thing is even now watching it a hundred times. Like I, other than the fact that that's rumored to where they went, there's no reason to have them to go to Bolivia. And the movie takes on so much comedy that it stops being, in my opinion, a true Western until the very end again when they get in that gunfight with the six or whatever outlaws when they're protecting the the payroll. Money, the payroll. Like, it stops being a Western until that point. And, even, and by that point, like, I've lost interest to a degree that it really kind of hurts the film overall. And so it's, I agree completely. I think Bolivia is just one of those odd choices that didn't add value, even though they're trying to stick with some level of truth around the characters. And if it weren't for the ability for Newman and Redford to have that back and forth, this movie would have been terrible after the first half. The other thing that I've often thought is, I would have just rather seen a showdown between LaFleur or LaFleur Le- Le- yeah. and these two and have them, this chasing go on until it ends, right? And that's it. But I mean, then you don't get to use Catherine Ross. Catherine Ross is relegated to not being in it. And, and she's interesting. And I, I mean, you could still pull her in if she was running a little bit of interference. That's like, true. Like, uh, have her be the, you know, place where LaFour's always seems to lose Butch and Sundance until they go rob something else and he picks up the trail. Mm. I mean, you, there's ways to do it. It was just, I think they went for that historical accuracy. Yeah. And the the cool thing with this is 
it's not very historical <laughs> to begin <laughs> no. with. Yeah. So, I mean, and the reason is because there's such little known about these two guys. Sure. Outside of like their original names, and even those weren't known for a very long time. Yeah. So it's like you have this realm of possibility that you could work into. And you know, they rob certain things like the flyer and you know that all these kind of events happen. But as far as working within it, like you could do so much more. And, you know, it's all hearsay, but yeah. the, most of this movie is all hearsay anyway. The entire back half, nobody even knows if they went to Bolivia. Yeah. So, I mean, I like it. Keep it in the States. I mean, you could even send them to California. Sure. Right. Because California was Mexico around that time, right? Yeah. And then just have the force tailing them all over the country because that it was enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think you could still pull Catherine Ross into it here and there. But I would have enjoyed keeping a Western with Shonan. I think your idea is great. Yeah. Let's remake it. Well, and then, and exactly. I love it. And then, <laughs> that's funny. And then like, just have like red, white straw hats popping up everywhere and having, yeah. you know what I mean? Like the fucking level of fuck, we got to leave again. <laughs> Even like a little kid wearing a red, like a white yeah. straw hat. How funny with that? Oh, we see a white straw hat, run! And then it's just this little kid walking down the street or on his but dad's shoulders. Like six, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that shit would have been great. I love it. The last thing I wanted to bring up that is just kind of a topic that I was sitting here thinking of that I don't think a lot of people think about is the actual cultural impact that this film had in very strange ways. And what I mean by that is Robert. Redford, obviously everybody knows about Sundance. Well, where do you think Sundance got its name? It's not just because there's a town called Sundance that that's where he got his name from, Sundance Kid, but his whole Sundance Film Festival that Robert Redford created was named because of this character and the fact that he played it and it brought that, I mean, he's kind of, I mean, yeah, obviously. He's a little egotistical. Just a touch. (laughs) Um, and my father-in-law who knows him, who's met him, would confirm that. Anyway, it's, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I mean, so there's that. Everybody knows Sundance. Like, it's one of the Sundance biggest. film festival. Yeah, it's one of the biggest movie events in our country, especially here in Utah. Jesus, like, this place goes nuts. Sundance Film Festival. I mean, turns Park City into a fucking shit show. And then on top of that, Paul Newman opened a charity for medical conditions for kids called the hole in the wall camp named after butch's gang from this movie and and their actual name of their mm-hmm. so it was just interesting to me that you can tell with these two guys like it made an impact on them and moving forward and that like they enjoyed making this film and how it had an impact and people loved it and enjoyed the two of them together it launched really it pushed them over the edge and popularity with this one and so i just love how you can still see the remnants of this. And then I really think it added a level of comedy to some of these more action style films, especially the Westerns after that. Like, I mean, I mean you always had spaghetti Westerns, right? But you didn't have Westerns that seemed like they were going to be serious, but had that banter and that comedy level. So I think it kind of changed a lot. So for me, that's one of the things that even though I don't love everything about this movie, it obviously has had some serious impact at least in the movie scene and then be a little bit beyond in certain areas just by it's the nature of what it was. Oh, I'd agree. Cause I mean, up to this point you had what John Wayne yeah, in Westerns and his are all very serious, you know, lone ranger cowboy type who's just roving around yep. uh, type of a thing. So all very serious. And you have this, which is the exact opposite. <laughs> yeah. It kind of starts out that way. Like you almost sure. get the feeling for it. 
with the intro card that reads, and then you have the shot of Paul Newman and his beautiful, beautiful eyes. And then it takes about 30 seconds to turn left. Yeah. And just, you know, I think that might be part of why it made such a big impact is because it was really kind of the first to lighten up the Western mood. Yeah. Just straight from that formula. And they went away from, you know, cowboys versus Indians, Native Americans, but they went away from that trope and it was outlaws versus the law. Yeah. And so it was taken, it showed kind of what Westerns could be. Mm -hmm. Like it didn't have to be put in this box, the spaghetti Western box, like you were talking about. They could do their own thing set in a Western backdrop and they can even put ukulele music in it. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever, man. (laughs) The final act is, is outlaws versus the Spanish language. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Love it. It's just, yeah, it's great. Uh, Arriba. They're up. Yeah. Arriba. They're up. <laughs> Skip down. Skip down. They're already it's against the wall. Already. The wall. <laughs> oh, whatever. You read it. Yeah. <laughs> so stupid. So great. Though. I loved it. Oh, shit. All right. Well, let's rate this thing. Alec. You go first this time, but I get to go first. All right. So I'm going to say first half of this movie is a four and a half. Mm. Back half of this movie is a two. Yeah. So I'm going to split the difference. That brings it to 3.25. We're going to round up, go three and a half. <laughs> um, so I can watch the first half of this movie all day, every day, and love it. I've seen the first half of this movie more times than I've seen this movie. Uh, simply because, ugh, like we were saying, there's just so much that doesn't need to be there and it takes away from the first half of this movie i do recommend that everybody watch it through at least once but after that i mean the first half of the movie is kind of like its own movie like you can turn it off once they start showing pictures of their trip to bolivia and you don't really miss out on a whole lot necessarily so i i I mean it it hurts it but i still love this movie so it's a three and a half i will watch it again 110 percent. it is one of my favorite movies to put on in the background Mm. where I don't really necessarily need to pay attention. But whenever you hop back in, there's typically a joke there that will draw you in to watch for a few minutes, which I enjoy. So yeah, three and a half. Absolutely. We'll watch it again. I love it. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to be close. I'm going to go a little lower. I'm going to give it a three. And I think I'm right there with you. I think if it was just the first half of the movie and they extended that in a way that made sense, I think this movie would be four and above, right? Like, cause it's, great at the beginning and but like you said there's this catalyst of this bike ride scene that she, yeah she just gets weird after that and it just and then it goes downhill really quickly to the point that it's a jumbling mess until the very very end and then you're like okay that was decent again but to your point you don't have to watch this movie to find some entertainment value throughout it even in yeah. the worst parts there's some comedy level that's up there so i think it's definitely better than average i think it's worth a watch especially if you haven't seen it if for no other reason than the dynamic between robert redford and paul newman because it, they're just great together they make each other better as good as they may be in their individual films without each other they're always better when they're together so yeah i highly recommend at least watching it once and i'll watch it again at least parts of it probably another five to ten years down the road It'll come out and be like, I'm going to watch some Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. But yeah, it's it certainly has its flaws. So three for me, but great movie. What a fun I'm liking this classic shit. This is fun. Yeah, this is a good little thing you came up with, JJ. This is fun. I like it. Can't wait to see what our next topic is going to be. 
But with that, when we're not uh, riding down the plains and heading into Bolivia and yeah. wishing we spoke uh, Spanish, what are, where else can people find us there, Alec? Uh, well, I'm happy to tell you, JJ. Uh, so thank you for joining us on review of Butch Casting the Sundance Kid, a great classic starring the greatest eye candy ever in Robert Redford, <laughs> Paul Newman, Catherine Ross. Uh, June is one of those months, guys, where we are traveling back in time to revisit some classics that deserve more credit than they have been given as of late. This marks the first Western we, and we have some other firsts coming out soon, so follow or subscribe to the channel so you can take part in those. If you like the older movies that we're doing in June, feel free to leave us a suggestion in a comment or join us on Patreon and force us to watch something that you adore. Special shout out to Mattson Likes Brownies, our current patron. You are everything we could have hoped for and more. With that, I will kick it back on to the Caliph of Clout, the Mauling Monarch, JJ. Yeah, thanks, Alec. Yeah, go join that Patreon. It's a lot of fun. You get to control a lot. There's a lot of crazy extra content. It's worth checking it out. Um, and you can get most of the content. It's it's not like we expect you to give us a bunch of money, but uh, it certainly helps support the podcast, keeps us going. It's not cheap running a podcast. With that, we appreciate you tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. Hasta la vista, baby. Cinemagic out. Whoa. I speak better Spanish than Paul Newman. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, that was great.